Welcome to the COSEC Show. Join the COSEC Qatari Securities team as they share their insights on the Australian share market, discussing some of their best performing companies, macroeconomic news from offshore, including local domestic news, foreign exchange, as well as commodities. If you have any questions regarding the share market, our phone lines are open. You can dial in on 1300 854 151 or alternatively, email info at cosec.com.au. Exclusively on this show, each guest will reveal their hottest stock pick. For more information on any of the topics discussed, go to cosec.com.au. The information featured in this program is general in nature and does not take into account your personal circumstances, needs or objectives. Guests appearing on the program may own or have commercial arrangements with some of the companies mentioned. Before making any investment insurance or financial planning decisions, you should consult a licensed professional who can advise whether your decision is appropriate for you. Good evening, investors. My name is Will Brownlee, and welcome to the COSEC Show, where we discuss all things relevant in the market this week. Macroeconomic data, currencies and commodities, top performance of the week it was, and of course, our hottest stock picks for the week to come. As always, before I go any further, please allow me to introduce you my investment panel, resident experts in the market. To my left, it is back as always, Mr. Buy the Dip, Dan, or even sometimes How High Can It Go, Howie? This is Dan Howie. How are you, good sir? Very well, thank you, Will. Happy to be here. Very good. Is there a doctor in the house? Our doctor of mathematics himself, Dr. Adam Shedakowski. How are you, good sir? Good, thank you. And back as always, sitting opposite me with a lovely smile on his face on this Friday afternoon is the ever-mystic, Mr. Louis Mossman. Thank you, Will. How are we doing, gentlemen? Very good, very, very good. good. Another interesting week to unpack. Is it? It's been very rainy in Sydney, hasn't it? Yeah, we've had yeah. the floods come back we've got and the floods Brisbane come and Lismore back. are underwater oh, again. Unbelievable, unbelievable. But that's not the only thing that's sort of happening in the world right now. Of course, we've got the sort of simmering tensions overseas between Russia and Ukraine. Dr. Adam Shedakowski, would you care to give us a little bit of a update on sort of what's happening on there and where you're anticipating we're going to move to from here? Well, of course, yeah. So another week of tensions between... Uh, a lot of uh, countries regarding what they should do with the situation in Ukraine. But in, ter- in terms of some news, so first of all, in earlier in the week we had negotiations, peace negotiations between Russia and Ukraine. There was a lot of expectations that someone might come out of it, but nothing really came out of it, to, to be honest. And uh, the one thing that uh, Russia did say, they will de-escalate around Kiev. That was at least what they claimed. But now NATO came out saying, well, they haven't really done that. And Biden later confirmed, doesn't really seem that they're doing that either. Some of the other news was, of course, that uh, Syrian soldiers will be helping Russia. So that is, of course, a little bit of a concern there. But they have a little bit of a favor to to give back to Russia. Uh, Also, a bit of a concern, I think, the uh, Ukraine president, he was firing two of his uh, high-level advisors uh, there there is some sort of tension there as well having some issues but he's certainly not the only one we hear actually even more news about putin how he's firing to left and right of some of his advisors and that some of them are not being honest to him at all and and somehow not have the courage to stand up and say what is actually happening in ukraine and what we have been seeing is actually that the soldiers from ukraine they are fighting so much against Russia, they're taking back some of the areas. So actually, let's have a look at the picture. Here you can, uh, when you look at the map uh, that is uh, being displayed here, you can see some of the areas are in blue. That is the indication that Ukraine have regained those areas back from Russia. And that was certainly not something that Russia expected. I mean, they expected the war would be over in a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. And now we're actually seeing U- Ukraine is fighting back. So that is some positive news there. 
uh, in, num- in terms of numbers, we are now over 4 million people has left Ukraine. Jeez. And that number is steadily increasing. So, And we are certainly expecting that to grow. And another number in terms of sanctions, and also I think I would say that is a good news from Australia, that we are being more firm against Russia. And now our exports to Russia, that is being targeted by taxes. So that is an increase on taxes of 35%. So very much of a sanction towards Russia there. So that was... Uh, but overall, not a big movements in the military lines this week, but there are certainly tensions increasing. Yeah, just that four, 4 million people that have fled Ukraine. Keep in mind, the population of the entire country is 44 million. That's 10% of the population have left as of now. And I, you can only really expect that number to keep on rising. Mm. Um, and as well, Vladimir uh, Zelensky also spoke to uh, the Australian Parliament, I believe, yesterday. Mm. And we've committed more funds, more money, and also some of our armoured vehicles as well, potentially, to the region. So the support keeps on flooding in. Yeah. Um, and Zelensky keeps on giving these very impassionate speeches to different parliaments <laughs> around the world. And you've been, people have been talking about it the last three or four weeks, how he specifically tailors all of his messages to individual company countries. So just say for 9-11 in the United States, he used that as a sticking point of a country coming together mm-hmm. in an important time in their history and to liken it to his own country's important period in their history. So uh, great advancements for Ukraine, and hopefully, you know, this conflict comes to an end. At this point, it does seem like it's going to continue to grind out, but when we go back to the markets, the impact is most likely priced in at this point. Priced in at this stage. Fantastic. (laughs) Let's go something a little bit closer to home, because I noticed one of the things that's going to be simming around in the background is, of course, covid a lot of people aren't aware that we are still sort of either coming yeah. out of or in the midst of a pandemic. And our good friends over in China have been hit pretty hard recently by the dip, Dan. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what's happening in China at the moment? Absolutely. I think the interesting point to make, first of all, is, is the comparisons between countries with how strict they are on these lockdowns. I mean, in Australia here, I'm not even sure at the moment, we're still getting between ten and 20,000 cases a day. That's the thing. I don't think I've looked in that long a time. Yeah, so I remember it, looking it at some plus. point, it was yeah. like 30,000. So yeah. I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, so I mean, look, that's just New South Wales, right? So we're probably getting around 20,000 cases plus, uh, you know, daily around the, glo- around the country. Uh, whereas China, as we've been speaking about, very, very heavily in lockdown. Shanghai uh, was essentially put in lockdown to do a mass testing of all the people in Shanghai uh, early this week, uh, which has seen, I guess, at least over 100 million people now into lockdown uh, and the, the funny part about it is they're having 8,500 cases a day. So oh. start of March was where they broke it, their breakout started. It was about 300 a day. Two weeks ago was at about 4,000. Now we're at 8,500 a day. So it is increasing pretty rapidly. And I guess this is causing a lot of questions uh, from a lot of the big brokers, a lot of people looking into the markets about the stability of the Chinese economy. We know how important the role it is uh, plays. Uh, and we're seeing a lot of forecasts for their economic growth and GDP cut as well. Um, and one of the first ones to come out and do that was Morgan Stanley. Uh, they downgraded their full year forecast to 4.6% to 5.1% for economic growth. And they believe this is due to China's strict adherence to the no, uh, no tolerance policy to do with COVID-19. So that's obviously a pretty big thing. It's going to have a big impact on commodities, as we've been talking about, because of how important they are in the demand cycle of a lot of these commodities. Uh, Citigroup's another one that's come out and said that they think there's going to be risks at uh, the end of this year, and they believe that our GDP could take a hit of as much as 0.9% in the second quarter as well. So pretty big impact there. And I think a big thing that I've stated, Morgan Stanley specifically cited the overall low vaccination rates amongst the elderly is why China are really going to strict uh, stick to this. Yeah. Uh, and it, we could see some pretty strong impacts. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see as we move forward that they are so, so strict on it. Um, but it's interesting to see how this zero policy, like for spreading COVID-19, how it works and how, how well it actually, I guess... Um, you know, wipes out the spread. Yeah, well, I'm just thinking about when they're going to make that transition to 
allowing to COVID to run free, like we're doing here in Australia, they're doing in the US, they're doing it in most major economies around the world. But as you said, we've got a billion people and I think it's 25 million in Shanghai. That's the entire Australian population. And they're still content on making a COVID zero policy. Yeah, they've had it for a while. And this this, uh, this start of this year has been the time last month their PMI is the lowest since the start of the pandemic. So their manufacturing output is really, really low. Yeah. And we can see it impacting their demand as well. So pretty big pullback, I think. When we look let's, at I mean, let's, let's take it to something that's on everyone's lips and on everyone's minds. I read somewhere that big banks are actually telling their workers to bring sleeping bags oh. into the office to work. Is that yeah, correct? Yeah, they are. That's a, a phenomenal. A, a lot of the big investment banks and trading floors have told their employees you to can't work pack a bag, mm. come into the office because you could be staying here. And we're seeing you know, photos of people sleeping at their desks or in common areas and rooms just so they can keep the, f- the firm running and keep it going. And it's Phenomenal scenes, really. And I, I love Kosek. I really hope. We'll I, re- just, we'll yeah, sleeping I, I really hope our <laughs> boss isn't watching this right now because it could be could be pretty interesting. Putting an idea in his mind. Putting an idea in his mind. Oh, that's, that's brilliant. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very, very much, you two. We're going to go straight over to Mr. Louis Mossman because talk to us about the other big thing that's happened this week, and that was, of course, yes. the ever famous Scott Morrison coming out and uh, announcing sort of a little bit about the budget and uh, we obviously had that sort of announcement. So talk us through that very slowly. Yeah, of course. So last week I gave you a bit of a preview on the federal budget for, for this year. And on Tuesday night, of course, it was delivered by Scott Morrison. Now, as I said last week, this was his pitch for the federal election coming up in May. How does he win over voters? And there's a lot of mixed responses as always when it comes to a budget. But the real summary was there wasn't a whole lot that interesting. What he did was he sprayed money in every direction he can, trying to you know satisfy as many people as he can. And I got the feeling that maybe he just didn't tick the boxes for everyone. He didn't give everyone what they wanted because he was trying to spread it out so much. But I'll go over a few winners and losers to give you an idea of where the money's gone. One of the biggest ones was, of course, that cost of living. I spoke about the cut of fuel excise tax by 50% to reduce the cost of living. That's expected to save uh, motorists about 22 cents on the litre. Uh, and I noticed on the pump yesterday evening, it's come down from about $2.20 to about $1.80 already on expectations for that, of course, the price of oil. So and if the further 22 cents could, again, ease the cost of living as well as ease the cost on a lot of supply chains feeding into the rest of the economy. People might just think that that the fuel pump, but that comes to everything, whether it's food, the delivery drivers, mm-hmm. all costs really come around oil and fuel prices. Next, you go to taxpayers. Uh, low and middle income earners, they're going to receive about $420 back at the time of their tax return. Region Australia is also getting $7 billion to help with their transition into a renewable energy economy. They're obviously relying on fossil fuels. The Nationals and Barnaby Joyce, very worried about that. So that was part of his promise. And then, of course, first home buyers. Um, you're just going to need a 5% deposit, extremely low. Uh, and there's up from 10 to 35,000 places where you can receive that. And then finally to the losers, of course, renewables, renewable energy, believe it or not, didn't get as much extra money as uh, was expected. The government is just investing $250 million over the next five years into low emissions technologies. I think the Greens won't be happy with that. Uh, and maybe coming out of that COP26, ScoMo didn't learn much. Mm-hmm. And then finally, hospitality. We didn't get the cut on beer. We didn't get the beer tax. We didn't get uh, cents off our schooner. So, Scomo, you let me down there. And then finally, wages. Hey, you're heartbroken. Uh, very heartbroken. Uh, heartbroken. And, and I don't think he, um, Albanese mentioned it in the budget reply. So I'm going to need a national. Where do the priorities lie here? <laughs> exactly. Where's the national <coughs> priorities? So, look, last week, I suppose in summary, we spoke about uh, how much it's going to impact Australian debt. And we are at record high when we go to debt to GDP. Mm-hmm. But Mr. Frydenberg gave this comment to wrap up 
you know, the spending and the deficits that we're going to be in for the next 10 years. He said that despite having faced the largest economic shock since the Great Depression, our debt to GDP levels, even when they peak, are still low by international standards, below all major advanced economies and less than half of the United States and Japan. So that is a, a very fairly valid point. But again, we'll be paying off debt for a long time to come. Um, and uh, yeah, that's your budget wrap for the week. Very, very good. Thank you very much, gentlemen. Now, over to you, our viewers. Do you have a question for our panel? Please feel free to take a video and email it through to info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, you dial 1-300-854-151. Now, everyone that does will receive a copy of our book, Stock Market Success, Retailing Dimmicks for $39.95. So if you do have a question, please make sure you send that through. Now, in the meantime, let's take a look at currencies and commodities, all things that shine, sparkle, fold, and make the world go round. And we're going to kick things off with a commodity, uh, sorry, a currency at the moment. And that is, of course, top of everyone's mind, cryptocurrency. Now, you may or may not be aware that here at COSEC, we do some pretty uh, pretty impressive things. Certainly, we like to hire some super yachts on the odd occasion and host our clients, friends, family, and anyone that's interested for a bit of a lecture on what's happening in the world. We're going to be doing the same thing. This time, however, we are going to be on a top-of-the-range super yacht called Ghost 2, and it is going to be touring the Sydney Harbour, and we are going to be talking about, and wait for it, it is going to be cryptocurrency, all things that happen in the meta universe and NFTs, absolutely everything to do with this crypto space. Let's go now to a video of the last event and we'll talk about that afterwards. We'll go that right now. So there you have it. Now, that was the last event that we did on the beautiful Ghost 2. It'll be the same boat this time. Just as much for success. Think about it logically. We have just come out of lockdown. This is a tax deduction. Tickets are selling very, very quickly. And it is going to be this time all about cryptocurrency. And that is what we're going to go over to our panel right now because cryptocurrency is on a bit of a spike at the moment. <coughs> Certainly seeing some of the big players like Bitcoin and Ethereum doing quite well. But what are we sort of noticing there at the moment, Mr. Mossman? I suppose technically on a technical basis, because there hasn't been a lot of international news and massive drivers when it comes to cryptocurrencies. Earlier in the week, we saw a very close correlation with risk on assets. So I suppose you can talk about these rising bond yields. So people are moving away from bonds and maybe going a bit risk on in the last week. And Bitcoin and Ethereum definitely benefited from that early on and over last weekend. However, in the last two days, we actually know, notice a very clear signal, technical indicator uh, the 200-day moving average, which the Bitcoin chart ran into, 
fell right back off it. And it's fallen back from about 48,000 back to 44,000. So lost quite a lot of its shine. And again, really struggling to break out of that range. But I think I do maintain my position that I think I've been giving for the last six to eight weeks. Hasn't really changed, unfortunately. That the longer it does consolidate and stick around this 40,000 mark, uh, the better it is for it. But again, I do think for the, for the near future, we will see that close correlation with risk on assets, especially equities, remain. Very good, very good. Well, let's leave crypto for a while. Let's go over to something, I think some people call it a little bit more tangible, but uh, we'll go over to Dan and talk to us a little bit about iron ore because that's something that has been running quite nicely recently. What are your thoughts on that at the moment? Where are we positioning? Absolutely. So iron ore started to have a pretty good week this week. We have seen for the last couple of weeks it's been quite flat. And I think the best way to draw that comparison is to look at the um, you know the week-on-week week change and the month-on-month month change as well. So for the week, it was up just over 6%. And for the month, it was only up 8.7%. So most of that in the last week there, some positive movements. We have seen it consolidate for a couple of weeks there. I might actually pull up the chart real quick. We can have a look here. Uh, the last couple of days, quite a strong spike there. A couple of consecutive days up over 3%. Uh, another positive piece of news was, was that the futures contracts expiring next month were up 6% uh, on Thursday as well. So quite a positive outlook there at the moment. Uh, but I sort of want to go back to what we, I guess, talk about the drivers of iron all the time. A lot of it we focus on China and demand around the globe. Uh, but a big thing that saw the spike this week is to do with actually the supply side of iron ore, which is what I want to focus on this side uh, this week. So a lot of bit, the big things are the two biggest producers in the world, Australia, a lot of severe weather, a lot of floods. It's had a pretty big impact on our output and obviously the global supply. And another big thing is there's transport difficulties and another COVID outbreak in Brazil, the second biggest supplier as well. So there's the two, two driving forces this week. And I thought it was interesting, if you look a little bit deeper uh, at the supply side of things, that things are expected to stay steady in coming years because we're seeing big miners only invest enough to recoup from uh, mines that are sort of running low on iron ore. So they're only investing enough to keep the supply constant. Uh, I guess when you talk about investing in new mines, people think they're going to be upping the supply, but really they're just helping ones that are, I guess, um, you know, running very low on iron ore that's sitting there at the moment. Now, if you look at steel demand and iron ore demand across the globe, uh, it sort of grows at approximately the same pace as the global economy. So about 2.5% a year. And I guess if you compare those two, supply sitting steady and that growing at 2.5% a year, moving forward, I think long-term outlook iron ore actually really quite positive. I know we saw short, medium-term demands always spiking and changing, but long-term when we talk about that in increase in demand 2.5% a year and supply remaining steady, uh, they reckon that you know the demand could double by 20 uh, And that's what really across all commodities mm, at the end of the day, yeah, nickel, absolutely. copper, coal, all that supply <coughs> squeeze, the supply side pressures are forcing the prices higher. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, exactly right. Well, let's talk about something else as well because I know everyone's kind of worried about the pump, and we're worried about the uh, worried about going and filling the filling our cars up, etc. Not you, w- not me. Um, what is uh, the price of oil doing, uh, Dr. Amrishetikas? Yeah, so if you're worried about that, I guess there is some uh, good news for people using oil. So the price of oil has been downtrending over the last week. So if we look at the numbers, WTI went down 11 percent, where Brent went uh, down just. Uh, uh, went down about 10%. So there was some uh, somehow some big news you could say over the week uh, that has moved the prices. So I think the main one was in uh, the one in the news is regard to Biden. So he announced a very uh, big portion of reserves being released. So that is 100 million barrels that will be released over the next six months. And that is 1 million per day. So adding uh, to the 180 million. So if you look at a bigger picture, you might think, well, it's only like 
one of one out uh, one out of twenty million. So everyday US is using twenty <coughs> billion, and he's releasing one. And if you look at the total demand, the global demand is about a hundred. So that's just one percent of the global demand that he's somehow supporting there. Uh, so in that sense, it's not a lot, but it is sending a signal certainly that he wants to help the situation. He wants to do something about it. And at the same time, you have to also remember it is actually a big proportion of the reserves. So their reserves are at about 600 million barrels. So there's almost uh, 30% of, of the reserves that is being released. Um, so an, an another piece of news that I also think pushed uh, oil potentially down is there was some announcements from both UAE and Saudi Arabia that they are potentially thinking about projects that could boost production of oil. And we actually have seen some numbers over the last couple of weeks that uh, production of oil has been increased in the US. So the number of rigs that are being built. Very good. Yeah. Very good. I do know that they also met for what? 12 minutes this week. 12 they're, minutes. The shortest meeting they've had yet. It's supposed to be an hour. An they hour wrapped it up meeting. 12 minutes. 12 minutes. So they're obviously pretty content on just keeping supply where it is. They're not looking to ramp up production. And oh, the OPEC meeting, right? Yes, the yeah, OPEC yeah. meeting. And we, and we know that they've been struggling ramping up and meeting their current mm. production. So at this point, the supply side is really not helping uh, the price of oil. Uh, and the current pullback looks to not just be temporary, but about $100 we look to consolidate at, I'd say, for the time being. Very good. And let's talk about something else that has had, had a bit of a sharp drop-off. While we're on yourself, Mr. Mossman, what's the price of gold doing at the moment? Because uh, I noticed we have had a bit of a drop recently. Uh, how's everything going in that space? Yeah, well, I suppose, I, as I mentioned two weeks ago, or rightly predicted, I might say, is that after you know a couple of weeks or months of some sort of geopolitical tension, such as the Russia-Ukraine conflict, gold prices price that in very early and then ease off uh, slightly after that. So, we have seen that easing off. A lot of brokers and a lot of traders were predicting that we'd breach that 2000 uh, US dollar mark at some point in March. Unfortunately, uh, we were unable to do so. So now we're really just holding on to the $1,900 level. Uh, but a few bit of interesting pieces of news from Russia, in fact. Not hugely market moving, but Russia's central bank has resumed its purchases of gold on Monday, and they've set a fixed price in the country for the precious metal. The largest financial institution in Russia, they've actually reported that demand for gold has quadrupled in recent weeks. So you think about why that is 4x in the country. The falling value of the ruble, people are searching for some sort of safe asset to hold, whether it be cryptocurrencies, in particular gold. But it's quadrupled, so Russia have set a fixed price for it for that reason. Um, and then finally, on the US side of things, the US government have actually prohibited anybody from engaging in the transactions of especially gold with the Central Bank of Russia, as well as many other uh, funds within Russia and major banks. So really tightening off their financial system, even cutting them off from major gold markets. Again, not major market news for, for gold itself, but I think uh, right now gold's positioned around 1900. Um, the geopolitical risk is priced in and we're going to see another consolidation like we saw there for about six months. Very good. Thank you, gentlemen. So that's commodities and currencies in the events that shape them. Now, are you a bull or a bear? one 800 Our phone lines are now open. But for now, we're going to take a look what the best and worst performers for the week were. And before we actually get into what our panel thinks, we're going to take the street. We're going to go to the lovely streets of Sydney. And this is Streetwalks, Street Talks. Good evening, investors. Today we're outside Town Hall asking people what they thought of the 2022 federal budget. So my first question is, did you actually get a chance to watch the budget on Tuesday? Yes, I did. 
No, no. No, I didn't. I watched it on, it's highlights on TikTok. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. You did and did. Now, one of the big things they're spending a lot on defense and cybersecurity. Do you think that's the right area to be spending a lot of money in? Yes, of course, uh, cybersecurity is one where I emphasize, you know, I think we need to um, encourage everyone, I think yeah. all the governments, I think that area is very vulnerable. Yeah. However, defense, I don't know, you know, so with current climate, I think we need. However, I think that's the money where probably I think could have been better spent somewhere. Yeah. Um, cybersecurity always is something to look at. Um, defense, well, you already spend a fortune on it. Probably not, no. no? And why is that? Um, I think there's much better things I can put it towards, maybe homeless people, um, people who can't afford everyday needs, things like that. Yeah. And a focus of the budget was the rising cost of living. Is that yeah. something you're concerned about? Yeah, absolutely. I think everybody is. Like, everything keeps going up, but wages don't do they, so... Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah, and how is it affecting you? Well, I'm a pensioner, so of course it's affecting me. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, the $250, I mean, that's ridiculous, huh? Uh, because we, we, it, it can't last anyway, and it only puts up inflation. And now, one area that they're putting a lot of money is defence and cyber security. And obviously, you guys are nurses or in the health system. Do you think that's the right place to be putting the money right now? Of course not. We're, we should be first. You know, we went through COVID for the two years. We work hard, lack of um, nurses and no support from the government. And what are you here in, uh, in Sydney for today? Because I know you guys are here for a protest. We're here for the ratio and for the pay rise. Yeah. And another thing, we had a protest with the nurses and midwives down at New South Wales Parliament. Is that an area you think should deserve more spending, especially in a time like now? Oh yes, oh yes, definitely. And the last one is, Scott Morrison set out to get your vote on Tuesday night. Do you think he got it? No. And why is that? No, that he's a liar, a cheat, a cook. He is, uh, you know, I wish, uh, um, uh, what's uh, the Labour? Uh, Albanese. Uh, Albanese. Uh, he, if he's strong enough, he, he stands in it. He has to have a, a good backing. No, he's a smug. Yes, I'm definitely voting for him. Yeah. And the final question is, uh, do you think that budget secures your vote for Scott Morrison? Has he done enough? No, not at all. And why is that? Uh, I just don't trust him. And there we have it, some very wet people braving the streets of Sydney throughout this week. What we're going to do now is go over to what we think is going to happen in the market. And I think we'll probably start off with a little bit of sector analysis. I think, Mr. Lou Mossman, you've got your chart. So let's have a look at uh, what you sort of what's been going up, what's been going down, and then maybe we could draw sure. some inferences about what we think is going to do well in the week to come. Perfect. Well, we'll pull up my chart as always. A uh, reminder that this data is till Thursday night, of course. But an amazing strong week. Uh, in fact, till Friday, we ended up the week on the XKO, almost 1.7%, and that's despite a quite a sharp pullback today on the market. As you can see, the top performer there is materials, a strong rebound in a lot of commodity prices. Energy was the only sector in Australia to end in the red, of course, with that strong pullback in the price of oil. In a bit of company news this week, we had Magellan Financial. They've actually come out and provided a quite a unique incentive to really boost business and provide a bit of encouragement to their employees. So they've got, a, I suppose, an employee retention plan awarding them stock option awards, which averages at $2.5 million per employee if they exercise at the full price. Now, that's obviously different for different levels. So uh, maybe the receptionists versus the chief executives might be having different levels, but a lot being offered. So technically, if this is fully passed and fully completed, they'll be raising, I think it's approximately uh, $1.2 billion 
uh, to get that completed. And next we go to Paladin Energy. Uh, they went into a trading halt earlier in the week. They're raising uh, $200 million dollars. Um, uh, capital raising at 72 cents a share, so a slight pullback in their share price over the they last few days. They finished up today, didn't they? Today. I think, I think they actually went up today. Oh, they we, went down to start with, obviously. They, started, they started, did start lower. I think, I, think I, I can remember saying I saw them in the green earlier, yeah. I didn't get to catch them before I jumped in here, but yeah, uh, a interesting company at the moment, side trending, a business we like and that we track, but again, it's one that moves very fast and you've just got to really be careful with the timing. And then finally, to our energy players, we had Santos and Woodside Petroleum, uh, UBS have actually stuck, stuck their neck out and put some very bullish predictions on them. Uh, they expect their profits to more than double this year into the billions and billions of dollars. Uh, and then finally, I thought I'd just give you a, a quick sort of market outlook and wrap about where we sit. Of course, we've moved over from, um, eight, we're going in from March to April and then into May. So what's the saying for May? Uh, sell in May and go away. Sell in May and go away. Sell in May go and go away. away. Now, what happens in April then? Apparently, April is actually the best month for stocks Buy since April. 1950. So over the last 72 well, years, two months out of the year. on That's average, <laughs> a- April has been the best month for the stock market. So if that trend is to continue, we'll still we're be looking be very, very strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we do notice that the ASX 300 is just 3 or 4% from its all-time highs. Materials are still on a tear, and the banks as well are also looking very well supported. So this current trend can definitely likely continue. Those numbers are for the US. And we've got a lot of major investment banks also coming out. And like I know they generally are bullish on the markets, but they're also providing their own certainty and confidence to the market. And what we do often see when we're in a bull run like this is big pullbacks like the one we had down about 12 or 13% from our highs, but then a rally that people don't really expect or see coming that might people might think is irrational or unexpected, but the rally can go on for a lot longer and a lot higher than people first think. And I think we're seeing that relatively right now. So I would not be surprised if in the next April, May, June, before the end of the half year, we do see us beat our all-time highs and the XKO goes even higher. So look, I'm going to jump back on the back of that. In the short term, I do have confidence that the market is tracking higher. And as you can see from our sector chart, you know that momentum is just being continued. Very good. All right, Dr. Adam Shedekowski, could you give us your two cents, please? Yeah, so I was looking into some numbers because now we did finish the first quarter, so uh, first of April. So uh, I want to just co- mention a couple of them. So that is uh, s- firstly some sector performance. So the top three sectors for the last three months, that was energy, mat- um, then utilities, and then uh, materials on the third. So m- energy was the biggest gainer, so above uh, more than 20% up, whereas energy and utilities, uh, sorry, materials and utilities up about 20, 10% each. When you look at the losers, I think uh, maybe a surprise for some that actually real estate was one of the top lowers one, down 12%. However, the worst one was actually IT, down 15%. And then on the third place, we had discretionary. If you had to look like the best of the best for the last three months, we had on the top three, we had Three a materials company, so that was Coral Lithium, Lake Resources, and Senya Mining. So actually, all of them in the same specialization with the mining. So all of them lithium. Yeah, very good, very good. And uh, uh, by the dip, Dan, or how high <coughs> you go, Howie? How uh, what are you thinking this week? What's what's your favorite sector right now? Yeah, so I'm going to follow on from what Adam said there, and the couple that he mentioned that I've just jumped into the ASX 300, and it is lithium this week. It has really, really done well. The end of this week, especially. Uh, we've seen, obviously, like you said, core lithium and lake resources and salmon and mining just being added to the ASX 300. I know we have this discussion. Sir, as well, which was one that we mentioned on the on the show. Absolutely, it's done very well since then. Um, five and Al- Al- Alchem, Alchem and Firefinch, yep, all done, all done very, very well. well. 
Um, but I think that like we have this discussion every morning. That chart is so uptrending that like it can't go on forever. And then they post a fifteen percent candlestick. It's pretty ridiculous. But some of the other ones on the X code today, Alcom doing very very well. Uh, AKE uh, all time high, yeah. All time high broke yep. that today. Um, an interesting one that it's actually in the tech sector, but it is involved in that lithium space. Navonics. Oh yeah, that's definitely one that we're Navonics about. is one that's, that's uh, starting. Off a bit of a it's starting to you know turn around. It's starting to look quite attractive. So. We are seeing that really start to pick up again. We know, I guess, the demand's always there and the supply is starting to be squeezed a little bit. Uh, but I think this week we've really seen it do well with the, the top performers for the month. If you look at the four top performers for the ASX 300 year to date, all lithium players, as Adam said, call Lithium Lake Resources, Sana Mining, and then AVZ Minerals. Mm. All four were added to the ASX 300 last Monday and they're continuing to perform. All The top two up over 100% already year to date and they're still on that strong tear. So, Just a quick props to you, Dan. You bought an opportunity not too long ago, a company K at Firefinch, and I believe they're a golden Was that last player. week or the week before? Was it fortnight ago or last week? Last week, I believe. The last week. And, I mean, you look at their chart, not only have they gone up, yeah. but they've gone up a further 20% since you In mentioned a week. them. Yep. Since you mentioned them last week, and I believe Alcom was a company we brought over six months ago, yep. and we put a big bet on lithium, and all of us bought lithium players, and we put it out there, and, I mean, all these lithium stocks are up. 70, 60, 100%. So, you know, some great opportunities there and there. Props to you, Dan, for last week's peak. Fantastic. But that's enough about us. Now, do you have a stock that you've been watching for a while? Is it time to buy, sell, or maybe even average in? Why don't you take a video and email us through at info at cosec.com.au. Alternatively, send us a text to 04-229-72897. Tell us what the stock is and why you like it. We're going to track it over the week. The person who tips the best performing stock will actually receive some gold-plated Kadari bull and bear cufflinks. So that's uh, up for grabs. If anyone wants to send a video through or send us a text, 0422-972897. To get us started, we're going to go straight over to buy the dip down. What are you looking at this week? Show us all how it's done and why do you like it so much for the week to come. Again, we're going to talk about the same sector again, and it is materials. It is tearing. It's doing very well. Uh, but I think the business I'm looking at today is very diversified through materials, and it's South 32 Limited, ticket code S32. Very diverse uh, company across a lot of metals. Not only do they uh, produce metals, they do a lot of mining of other al- uh, minerals too. Very divorce, p- diverse portfolio, and that ranges from anything from aluminium uh, to energy coal, metallurgical coal, manganese, nickel, silver, lead, and zinc. So... Very diverse. We know a lot of commodities are doing very well. But that diversity, I guess, um, allows them to, to guess, uh, keep the risk down when a lot of commodities are being very, very volatile. Now, a big thing we spoke about last week was a lot of brokers upgrading their average price of these commodities through 2022, uh, namely Morgan Stanley being one of them. They upgraded their price for nickel 19% and coal 70%. So I think the outlook for a lot of these underlying commodities is quite positive. Another thing I want to talk about is the broker calls. For this business, outstanding. They've got seven broker calls. And here are the recommendations from some of the largest brokers in Australia. They are outperform, buy, overweight, buy, buy, outperform, add. So all very positive. Macquarie's came out yesterday, uh, and that was a, a price target of $7 on this business. That's 40% higher than where they're trading now. And if I pull up their chart, we can have a look here. I guess most people look at that chart and say maybe it's getting a bit hot, a bit higher in its range. Look at that chart, and you'd say North 32, not South 32, <laughs> wouldn't you? Absolutely. Now you look at that, you'd think it's high on its range, but you know, for Macquarie to come out and put a 40% uh, upside on that business from here, uh, quite outstanding. Now, obviously, like I said, very, very heavily upward trending. You look at that, it's consistently making higher highs and higher lows. Found a very strong level of support on a little bit of a pullback this week at the Mid-Donchin channel, uh, but rebounded very nicely to end the week with a very healthy candlestick today. 
uh, trading in the upper Donchian channel, well above the 200-day simple and exponential moving averages, uh, and all three momentum indicators, the stochastic MACD and RSI, all indicating further potential upward momentum. Fantastic. Thank you very much for that. We'll call that North 32 or South 32. S32 is the ticket code for that. Now, Dr. Adam Shetakovsky, as always, we are plagued by time right here. Do you think you can give me a very, very quick overview of which stock you're looking at why you like it so much for the week to come if you go too long i'll have to stop you so try and rein yourself back on this one i will so i'm very excited to talk about idp education this week so a couple of things to mention is that it is a company about education international education so mostly helping students that want to get involved into countries where english-speaking countries so that is australia new zealand uk and north america among uh, and so that is a big company is also involved in examination uh, where you are learning English. So ILTS is the world's biggest provider of exams. And of course, this company is in co-owner of that company as well. So in terms of macro, you are seeing uh, that basically now that the COVID is broadly getting better, or at least uh, people are more vaccinated. We are seeing more movements traveling potentially will be getting better and more students will be wanting to do that. So this is potentially now again an opportunity that is opening in terms of financial if there has released very very strong numbers even despite uh, all the hiccups we have seen the revenue the last uh, readings we have seen revenue up 49 percent earnings up 80 68 percent and also broker costs if you look at those there was very very positive all of them are posit- suggesting the price will be going up the most recent one morgan stanley up 33% towards the 40.2. So also very positive broker calls of all brokers. And a technical basis, let's have a look at the chart and see that again. Also very positive. So it is broadly upstanding. Yeah, it is true it had a pullback, but we are seeing a strong reversal in, in that trend. It has recently crossed the 200-day moving average, so this week. And we are seeing it is keeping steadily above the mid dungeon channel, so with some upwards pressure there. Uh, so while the stock did uh, retract a little bit today, it is steadily above the mid uh, dungeon, and we could see it moving higher. So uh, also the st- uh, stochastic signal, the Williams alligator, they're all positive. So so many technical indicators suggesting that this could be the pick for this week. There we go. So this is IDP Education, ticker code IEL. Mr. Louis Mossman, we always leave you for last and you always run out of time. You have one minute, 30 seconds, good sir. What are you looking at? 30 seconds more than usual, my... Perfect, lovely, I love it. Okay, so I think the macroeconomics has already been done for this business from Mr. Dan Howie. It's Fortescue Metals Group doing in iron ore. Iron ore is being supported around $150 a tonne. A lot's happened in China this week. Where's iron ore stayed? $150 a tonne. We know big brokers and institutions love Fortescue Metals and it's held by many Australians across the world, uh, sorry, across the country. And I think it is a staple of many portfolios and we've seen that share price very much supported And look, we'll go straight to the chart right now because, uh, to be fair, that's one of the reasons I like it. It's crossed those 200-day exponential and simple moving averages, and they're looking to cross themselves, higher highs and higher lows in the last week, and they're looking to rebound from a downward trend. So a little bit more of a shorter-term technical play, but I think iron ore is looking strong, and I don't see a reason for it pulling back, even though China is uh, looking a bit shaky at the moment. That is absolute obliteration of the top down. <laughs> there we go. There we go. So we've got Fortescue Metal from Mr. Lou Moss and Dr. Adam Shedakovsky says IDP education and by the dip down, how high can it go? Howie has said South 32. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for tuning in this week. On behalf of everyone here at the show, we want to wish our clients, friends and colleagues a safe and happy weekend and we look forward to seeing you next week. My name has been Will Brownlee and this has been The Cosec Show.